The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Hope you're doing well. It is the week of Thanksgiving, and so hopefully you're prepared for that. My wife had to remind me yesterday it was time to take the turkey out of the freezer if we wanted to enjoy it um, on Thursday, so I'm learning that it takes a lot of days to make sure that the thing thaws. So um, anyway, we're in a series called Level Up, and uh, if you're looking for a spot in Scripture, we're going to be in uh, Colossians. You can kind of, you can turn there. We're going to be a bunch of different spots, and then Philippians, but Colossians is where we'll land and uh, appreciated Ryan's message last week. Um, as we, Like I said, we talk about uh, level up and what that means. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. He married a girl from his hometown. It's a hometown he later ends up resenting. His kids drive him nuts. Um, his house is old and inefficient and needs a lot of work. His dad dies suddenly, and he regrettably ends up taking over the family business. His friends go on to make a bunch of money. The antagonist in uh, his life ends up uh, wanting him thrown in jail. And he reaches a point where within the midst of all of the misfortune, he's ready to be done with life. He always wanted to travel and yet he hardly ever leaves Bedford Falls. Some of you guys know the movie I'm talking about, It's a Wonderful Life. And in that movie, Jimmy Stewart plays George Bailey um, who has at this point in his life become a pessimist. And today I want to talk about what it means for you and I to level up above pessimism. And I believe it's an incredibly important conversation because it's a tale that we're all too familiar with, whether we're impacted by somebody in our lives that tends to be a pessimist or you and I battle kind of the spirit of pessimism, the truth is it's something that we need to not give up battling because things don't always go the way we want. We have stress and we carry burdens and where once there was fun and impulse, it's, changed, it's exchanged for routine and responsibility. The fun and adventure kind of wane, we begin to resent our lives, and what happens is if it gets bad enough, it seems that everyone and everything around us in our lives becomes a reason for our disappointment, and they become a victim of our outlook. If you look under the hood of the life of a pessimist, you'll find words like disappointment, like frustration, anger, envy, resentment, even bitterness. Years ago, there was a movie series called Grumpy Old Men. And if you remember that series at all, again, it goes way back to the 80s, but it was a, a comedy series, multiple movies. It was a comedy about men that were just angry. They were basically what we would call today curmudgeons, old and angry, and the hilarity of the movie was because of that. But here's the thing. In real life, when you and I end up in our lives with a pessimist, it's somebody that we don't want to be around. It's somebody, the truth is, that we avoid kind of at all costs only to have them then complain that nobody comes to visit that only makes them more pessimistic and it becomes a tailspin, a cycle of frustration. It's not so fun. In our world today, maybe it's the critic. Maybe it's the person on social media who's always looking to criticize every phrase that we put out there, every article that we might post, and all of a sudden there's this fear in all of us of what if somebody attacks me, and yet it seems like there are people out there that the only reason they ever log on is to criticize everyone at every point. 
And so when we think about the world that we live in, what do we do to avoid becoming pessimists? What do we do uh, or how do we escape when we see ourselves getting sucked into pessimism? What does it look like to fight off the subtle thoughts that become negative attitudes that affect our outlook, especially in the world that we live in today? How do we level up above pessimism? And that's where we come to what Paul says. Over and over in the New Testament, Saul, who was a persecutor of the church, had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus and is changed, begins to care so much about his mission to help people love Jesus and believe in the work of the cross for their forgiveness, that he travels and establishes churches and builds them up and writes letters to them. Most of us are familiar with that's who Paul is. But in these letters over and over, he's saying we've got to be careful about how we live. And part of what he says, and I'm just going to take a sampling from Colossians. If you look at chapter 1, he opens with, in verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whenever we pray for you. He goes on later on to say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Continuing on, it says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And finally, in chapter four in Colossians, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. If you look at, at, at one of the most upbeat letters of the New Testament, it's, it's Philippians. It's the letter Paul wrote from prison to the church at Philippi. And some of the most famous verses that I've used a lot, especially in the last bunch of months that we've had to navigate, in chapter four, starting in verse four, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. And then he says this, and this is, these are the verses that you've heard. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what is it about Paul constantly sneaking in this simple phrase, give thanks, be thankful, thank God, over and over and over as you continue through his letters, that's just a brief sampling. I believe it's 46 different times he reminds the church to be thankful. So th there's something he knows that you and I have got to get in on because it's a big deal, especially when you go back to Paul's day. Where in Paul's day, in general, cultures and societies weren't super wel welcoming to a new way that, that has to do with Jesus and, and sacrifice on the cross. So as Paul comes in and, and, and helps establish churches, things weren't always easy. Persecution was severe, and yet he's saying, hey guys, be prayerful. Hey guys, give thanks. Hey guys, and over and over he's saying we ought to live with a spirit of gratitude. So what is it that he knows that we've got to begin to embrace? And it's simply this. It's hard to give gratitude and be pessimistic. It's hard to live in a spirit of gratitude and still be pessimistic. And the simple reason why is because gratitude focuses on what's right while pessimism focuses on all that's wrong. 
Let me say that again. Gratitude focuses on what's right when pessimism leans towards focusing on all that's wrong. Gratitude shifts our focus from what we don't have to what we do have. And by the way, a little secret, the more you express gratitude for what you have, the more you'll have to be grateful for. And we'll talk about why when we talk about focus here in a little bit. Paul also said this, and again, many times he says it, but if you're taking notes, write down 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. If you want to memorize a a, a scripture verse today, here's a couple really quick. Rejoice always. If you can remember that, you just memorize the whole verse. Good job. Okay, the very next verse is another one you can memorize. Pray continually. That's a whole verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. Verse 18, listen to this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, you've probably heard before, but it's key to remember, he's not saying give thanks for all circumstances. He's saying give thanks in all circumstances. Paul knows the secret to to not spiraling into pessimism and negativity and frustration and anger and disappointment and envy and jealousy and all of these things is give thanks, live with gratitude. The secret to fighting pessimism is to focus on being grateful. So why does it elude us? Why are we so bad at stopping to give gratitude for the things that God has blessed us with? Why is that? The first one, and it's the overarching theological understanding of the fall of man. And it goes like this. Because our natural fallen nature bends toward evil. Because you and I, living in a fallen world, deal with the issues of evil and sin, our natural bent is towards negativity. It's a, listen, you know this, it's a lot easier to be negative than positive for most people. It's a lot easier to find all that's wrong than to really focus on what's right. It's a battle to focus on what's right. And so our natural bent, theologically, is toward evil, even as followers of Christ, which is great news because that might help answer why you and I still struggle to walk in what's right when we say, well, I'm a saint, I'm a child of God, I'm Christ's friend, I have all these connections to the spirit of Jesus. That's wonderful. But it doesn't mean we don't live in a fallen world where there's a battle being waged all the time in our hearts. So number one, the theology of sin and the issue of our bend toward evil. Number two, we're so busy going from one thing to the next that we neglect our souls. This summer, we did a series. We talked about, you know, soul food and what's going on in our souls. And let me be more specific about it. What happens is we don't stop to consider what's going on in our souls. And then listen, to clean out our souls through reflection, through repentance, and through recommitment to what God would ask of us. We're not very good at stopping to clean out what's going on inside. We go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and there's a moment where we realize we're so far off track that we go, how did we get here? And oftentimes, if we don't stop to clean things out, it only gets worse. It's no different than in a vehicle, where if you don't deal with the need to to change the oil, to take care of the transmission fluid every now and then, to, to, to do the repairs and alignments off and stuff, if you let it go, it's over. We know that when it comes to things like that, but when it comes to our souls, we've got to stop and listen. And yet I want you to hear this. The benefits of gratitude are almost immeasurable. 
The benefits of gratitude are almost immeasurable. As I was studying this, um, I came upon a few things, and I just want to share with you. Uh, There was a Harvard Medical School paper that was talking about gratitude that said this. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improves their health, deals with adversity, and builds strong relationships. Goes on to say, people who consciously count their blessings tend to be happier and less depressed. Lisa Firestone, in in an article in Psychology Today, said this, scientific studies have found that gratitude is associated with, and listen to this list, greater happiness, more optimism, more positive emotions, new and lasting relationships, better health, more progress towards personal goals, fewer aches and pains, more alertness and determination, increased generosity and empathy, better sleep, and improved self-esteem. That's from an article in Psychology Today, which ultimately means that there is no end to the benefit of gratitude. And on top of that, you think about there's no downside to expressing more and more gratitude in our lives. Brian Robinson was writing in Forbes magazine about gratitude, and he made this point that really stuck out to me. There was a whole article, and I literally just grabbed this one phrase because I thought, think about that for a second. Whatever you focus on, your mind expands. When he's writing about gratitude, he literally kind of throws this in there. Obviously it fits, but think about this. When you're worried about something and you continue to focus on what you're worried about, does the worry get greater or less? Greater, it always does. When when you've been hurt by somebody and you focus on the hurt itself, not the solution to it, but the hurt itself, does that relationship become better or worse? More strained or less? Typically, it becomes more strained because as you focus on it, we tend to exaggerate how things went, exaggerate what's going on in their hearts. We tend to not give people the benefit of the doubt because that's just our nature. And so that relationship becomes more and more strained. That's why we can watch, you know, some of the, I don't know, Maury Povich or Sally Jesse Raphael or whatever's on today. I don't even know because I'm old school, but some of these shows where somebody says, you know, you haven't seen so-and-so or talked to them in 20 years and they're here today. Come on in. And they interview and there's chairs being thrown and there's mayhem happening. And you go, how do people get there? It usually starts with something stupid, but as people fixate on that problem, it grows. And you never want to talk to them again. It's been years and decades and he wrote them off. That's how that happens. The more you fixate on something, the more it grows. Let me just share with you. That's why I I practically beg you guys that at the Grove Church, you and I would be readers of Scripture as a regular habit, studiers of Scripture, people of worship, people of prayer. Because those are the checks and balances where negativity and pessimism and and problems abound, where in in the system of our world, we justify all kinds of behaviors that that we look at through the lens of our faith and go, that's not good, that's not okay, that's not edifying, that's not not a, a healthy thing. And yet people welcome that stuff into their lives regularly. And so for you and I, we've got to fight this battle through a steady diet of things that keep us on track through the work of the Holy Spirit and living in a lifestyle like that. The more you focus on something, the more it grows. And so when I talk about the idea of reading scripture, being people of prayer, those things matter decisively. And so here's the warning. And if you're taking notes, you can just write down. Here, here's the warning. If you, and I, if you and I want to live grateful, it requires contentment. Now, here's a, here's a secret you probably should know by now, but maybe you don't. 
So to live grateful requires contentment. There are two ways to acquire contentment in our lives. Okay, and again, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. There are two ways to acquire contentment in our lives. Number one, get everything you want every day forever. I'm content because I just get it whatever I want whenever I want it all the time. But at the core, you know that's not possible. And you, so some of us play this stupid game where we go, well, yeah, but if I had a billion dollars, I could have anything I ever wanted. But why is it that some of the richest people in the world are not the happiest people in the world? Because it's not about the, the acquisition of things. If I owned a private island, if I had a jet, if I could go wherever I want, whenever I want, if I could buy whatever, I, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. You would end up being miserable because that lifestyle rots your soul. And, and you go, well, yeah, but at least give me the chance. <laughs> Love to take a, take a stab at it. I mean, Bezos, give me a little bit of money from Amazon. That'd be great. <laughs> if you want to acquire contentment, one, you get everything you want every day always. But at the end of the day, it's impossible. That's why some of the best movies that you watch are written about that. At the core, it's not about all the stuff. So one, everything you've always wanted every day always. Or two, Focus on being thankful for what you currently have. I realize this is overly simplified, but you would be amazed at the power of contentment. If you and I lived in a place of, of being grateful for all the things around us that God has blessed us with, not all the things we don't have, again, go back to the idea, well, if I had all this, I would be so much better off and happier and more, everything would be more wonderful. But that isn't true. We know it's not true. We, you, listen, you went out and you bought a brand new car back in 2012. And when you drove it off, you're like, this is amazing. I love this thing. This thing's incredible. And in 2020, you're like, this thing's a piece of junk. <laughs> you went out and bought that ginormous 42-inch flat screen. It was huge back in the day. You paid thousands for it. You're like, look at this thing. It's so thin. We can hang it on a wall. It's huge. And you're like, man, now they got like the 88-inch. And I just need the 88-inch. I don't know how big they're going to get. I mean, I went into a neighbor's house the other day. I'm like, look at this thing. Huge. I tried to steal it. No, I didn't really. <laughs> but it's a thing where, where it, it, uh, the stuff wears out. All these things get old. Stuff that you used to marvel. You remember the first time you flew? Oh, my gosh. Look out the window. Look how small everything is. Look, hey, they're bringing the beverage cart. I get something to drink. Food. This is amazing. And now some of us fly. We're like, oh, great. Sit on a plane all day. I mean, first class is fine, but I'm still stuck here. This thing reclines. I can take a nap for eight hours. Psst, lame. Now, if they had a plane land on the plane, if they had this or that, if they would do this. Because our, our sense of wonder can wear out so easily. Another sermon for another day. But what if you and I focused on being grateful for what we have? And let me, again, over, oversimplify this for a moment here. If you and I want to exist in gratitude, again, overly simplified, slow down and be present. Literally count your blessings. Be present in where you're at. Be grateful for what you do have. Start focusing on all the things you don't have. But again, we're not so good at slowing down. I, I, I think of even in an organization like, like the Grove Church with a great team of people that we try to accomplish things and love people and do our best to accomplish God's mission for us all the time, constantly. 
But we can be as guilty as anybody, as any organization in the world at accomplishing something and moving to the next thing. Maybe that's the way it goes in your workplace. Maybe that's the way it goes in your family. Maybe you've got your task list and something gets done, you're like, good, that's done. I gotta move on to the next thing. Get that one done. The next thing and that one done. And we're not good at stopping and going, hey, guys, let's just stop and go, wow, look at what God accomplished. Look at what we got done. Hey, great job with this. Hey, good job with that portion of it. Hey, good job getting that done. We're not so good at that. We, we don't stop to thank. We don't stop and express gratitude. We don't stop to do that. What would it look like for you and I to slow down and be present, to focus on what we do have, and even consider making a list of the ways that we really are blessed? I made the joke a while ago, like, when was the last time you thanked God for your fingernails? Maybe the fact that you had fingers. Maybe that those fingers could actually grab things. For most of us, our eyeballs are working pretty well, even through bifocals. We can still taste somewhat. When was the last time you thanked God for some of the basics? That you're sitting in a room that's at least heated? I mean, there's so many different ways that you could stop and go, here's what I'm grateful for. But it takes slowing down and being present rather than focusing on all you don't have yet. Like I said, it's hard to have gratitude and be pessimistic. Anybody remember the show Family Ties? There was a star from the show Family Ties that was a kid. And he went on to make a movie series called Back to the Future. You know who I'm talking about. Michael J. Fox. As I was putting my notes together, I actually stumbled upon, my wife and I were just chilling, watching something, and they were interviewing Michael J. Fox. Well, most of us know that Michael J. Fox has battled Parkinson's for a long time now, and he's still pretty young. And so Parkinson's typically, you know, people that are older, but, but man, he's had it for a long time. And little by little, if you've watched his life, and I've paid attention somewhat, but little by little, he's getting weaker. He's not always thinking as clear. His mobility isn't as good as it's been. And so you see Parkinson's taking its effect. And yet what I've noticed is his ability to be positive. His ability to battle a disease that, that, that is, is devastating. I've seen people battle with it and it's, it's devastating. And here he is and he's being interviewed just recently. And, and through the interview, he was asked about how do, he, how do you do it? How do you remain so positive? And I'm not kidding you, this, I stumbled upon this this week. This was his answer. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. I'm literally like, that's my message. Like if you wanna live fighting against pessimism, you've got to have gratitude or you're gonna find it ebbing away. You're gonna find yourself becoming the curmudgeon. You're gonna find yourself falling prey to the negativity that begins to eat you from the inside out. People don't like to be around negative people. Nobody really enjoys a critic. We tend to keep our distance from people that look at life as glass half empty because they don't fill our tank. Go back to It's a Wonderful Life for a second. If you watch the movie, which I would encourage you every Christmas season, just watch it. But at the end of the movie, he's already had a glimpse of what if he never existed. Remember, he's on the bridge and he wants to jump. He's like, I just want it to be over. And all of a sudden, Clarence, his angel, shows up and jumps in to save him, even though he never jumped. And, okay, you don't exist. Let's just play that out. So all of a sudden, he's living, he doesn't exist. 
And remember, he sees his wife walking on the sidewalk. Mary, you remember me? Mary, Mary. She's freaking out. And it plays out this whole thing that he doesn't exist. And on one hand, you see the power of one person's life. And it's amazing to think of the difference he made in that little city, that little town. But don't forget that the other part of the story, which is deeply meaningful, is that once he does exist again, all of a sudden, he still may go to jail. Remember? Because remember, the money goes missing and, you know, the, the uncle made it. Anyway, it doesn't change the fact that he's still in some trouble financially. But do you notice what changes? His outlook. Oh, Mary, Mary. Oh, Zuzu's petals. He's all excited about Zuzu's petals. He hugs his kids instead of yelling at them for playing, was it piano or violin or something? What changed? He realized the value of being grateful for what he has. Oh, this drafty old house, this whole brood of kids, this life that I thought was so disappointing is actually a gift. You want to fight pessimism? Why don't you look to be grateful for what you have? And this isn't a message for you any more than it's a message for me. Because I have found myself mentally exhausted and being pessimistic at times. I'm just going to be honest. But I'm not going to give up the fight. I'm going a little over, and I apologize, but let me end with this one uh, article I had read. The article talked about they took a group of people, hundreds of people, that battled um, uh, anxiety and depression. They battled anxiety and depression, and they put them in three different groups as a study to navigate through the anxiety and the depression. The first group, they said, we want you to write a letter. Along with getting counseling, we want you to write a letter every week for six weeks to somebody expressing your gratitude towards them. Every week for six weeks. The second group, they said, along with the counseling, we want you to write down every week how you feel. Just words about how you feel. And the third group, we don't want you to write anything. We just want you to do the counseling. And it's easy to understand where I'm going with this, but you know what they found out at the end of the study? The group that wrote the letters every week for six weeks was far better off at the end of the study than the other two groups. It's the power of gratitude. Somebody in the lobby a little bit ago cornered me and said, hey, I already did my homework last week. I didn't know you were gonna say this, but I literally sent letters of gratitude to my siblings. So, as much as you might not want to come back next week, I'm going to give you some homework. You know what I ask you to do this week? I know we're busy, you guys. I get it. And I'm going to do it too. I'm not saying you do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it too. I want us to write a letter this week to somebody expressing gratitude. And maybe it's an email you're going to send. Maybe it's going to be a handwritten letter and you're going to get out the envelope and do the address and the little sticker and stamp. That's how that works, but anyway. I just want us to stop and realize we have a lot to be grateful for. And if we want to fight pessimism, especially in our world, we've got to learn to walk in gratitude. So would you consider that this week? Would you write a letter? Just take some time. And towards somebody around you, somebody that's had influence on you in some way or another, just, hey, I just want to say thanks. And I think you'll notice even, you're not going to do six weeks, just this week, I want you to consider, what did that do in your heart? What were you thinking when you were writing the words? What happened when you put it in the mail or hit send? What became of it down the road? And maybe you won't get a reply. Don't expect one. But think about what it does in your heart when you express 
gratitude. Jesus, today, there's a lot of pessimism. It's really easy for us to fall prey to to being critical. But God, I pray through the work of your spirit in us, through the reminder of Paul, through being people of scripture and people of worship and people of prayer surrendered to your Holy Spirit, that God, through that work, we fight pessimism. We're not gonna become the complainer, the griper, the old curmudgeon down the road. We're gonna fight this, God, that we're gonna hold out hope and our hope is in the anchor of who you are. Jesus, I pray for us to think different, to consider different, to look at the reasons to be grateful. Help us fight this battle and never give up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.